When I was a junior in college, something unthinkable happened. The Seattle Supersonics left Seattle. It was something you never dream of. They were the Seattle Supersonics. So you don't expect them to leave any more than you expect to wake up and hear everyone around, around you speaking Polish or Russian. My, my, I dealt with it okay. My younger brother, he's still recovering. It happened 13 years ago, and the owner who sold the Sonics was the owner of Starbucks, and for 13 years, he hasn't entered a Starbucks. His wife goes in, and he waits outside. So we live and act in a world in which many things are taken for granted. For example, the value of the dollar. You know, we hear about hyperinflation at other times and in other places. But we take it for granted that if we work and save, our money will be worth something. Or our bodies. We know theoretically that one day they'll fail us and even compose, decompose. But isn't that the furthest thing from our minds? Or what about our grades? Don't they seem to us to be unchanging and almost eternal? They're recorded somewhere, and, and we could pass through a nuclear holocaust, but somewhere on some hidden register, our grades would be recorded, and they would tell us the true value of our life. There's something almost eternal, it seems, about our grades. Well, today Jesus pierces the illusion of the permanence of the visible world. Not only will our bodies fail us and every human institution pass away, not only will trends change and nations crumble, but he says that even the physical structure of the universe will come apart. He says, in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky. And yet there's something in all of creation that will remain. After every civilization has crumbled and time has worn the mountains away and the sun has shown its last ray, when the Son of Man comes and everything comes apart, you and I will remain. Because we have souls. We have immortal souls. Daniel says in the first reading, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some shall live forever. Others shall be in everlasting horror and disgrace. We're so absorbed in the preoccupations of what's visible that we're forgetful of our souls. In general, we have only a very vague idea of our soul. For a long time, my idea of a soul was derived from the movie A Land Before Time, which is a cartoon about the extinction of the dinosaurs. And all the brontosauruses were extinct, and so I remember there's an image of all these like purple, misty forms of dinosaurs passing away in a train. And, and that was my image of a soul for a long time in my life. We have a very vague idea of who we are and what it means to have a soul. But there's a wonderful depth to the soul that we hardly know. We say that God dwells in our soul, 
and it's true. So the soul must be a, a vast and immense and wonderful place if it's capable of being the dwelling place of God. St. Teresa compares the soul to a castle with seven concentric chambers. But she says most of us never even pass through the exterior wall. We have very little idea of the hidden depth and beauty of the soul. We spend our lives preoccupied with preserving our health or improving our homes or gaining someone's attention. And we pay very little attention to what's most wonderful and enduring, what's been made in the very image of God, our souls. So today the Lord cries out to us, invest in your souls. You know well how to adorn your bodies. You know well how to adorn your homes. Begin now to adorn your soul. But what does it mean to adorn our souls? And what does the beauty of the soul consist in? An answer commonly given in the scriptures is that wisdom is the beauty of the soul. The book of wisdom says, wisdom who is one can do all things. and renews everything while herself perduring. And passing into holy souls from age to age, she produces friends of God and prophets. For there is not God loves, be it not one who dwells with wisdom. For she is fairer than the sun and surpasses every constellation of the stars. So another way of saying invest in your soul is to say seek wisdom. Solomon speaks of his pursuit of wisdom when he says, I preferred her to scepter and throne and deemed riches nothing in comparison with her. Nor did I liken any priceless gem to her because all gold in view of her is a bit of sand and before her all silver is to be accounted mire. Beyond health and beauty I loved her and I chose to have her rather than the light because her radiance never ceases. So if wisdom is of such great value, where can we find her? Here we have the very fountain of wisdom, the Word of God. If we want to become wise, we should read this book. We should study it and learn it and live by it. You know, many people think that the Bible is too archaic or obscure to understand, that we need to be wise before we can read the Bible, rather than the Bible being a source of wisdom for us. And there are some very difficult passages in Scripture. And yet, you don't have to be a scholar to draw wisdom from this book. Psalm 119 says, The revelation of your words sheds light, giving understanding to the simple. To the simple. So many of the truths of Scripture are accessible to anyone with an earnest heart and a desire to know the truth. Let's take some examples. One of the constant teachings of Scripture is the shortness of the human life. Psalm 90 says, 70 is the span of our years, or 80 if we're strong. Teach us to count our days aright 
that we might gain wisdom of heart. Does it require any special genius to understand the shortness of human life? If you can count to 80, you can understand it. And yet, it's a mark of wisdom to take it into account, and few do. As a second example, we have the plain teaching of today's readings, that we have an immortal soul, that one day all of our actions will come to light and will be judged by a just and merciful God. Again, it doesn't take a scholar to understand it. The difficulty is not in understanding, but in believing and in living our lives in accordance with that truth. There's a still higher wisdom that's contained in the scriptures, higher than knowing the shortness of life, the immortality of the soul, and the certainty of a judgment. And it's the wisdom of knowing God. Through the scriptures, we come to know the wisdom of God incarnate. The Gospel of John says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The wisdom of God took on a human form and dwelt among us. And his life and his deeds and his teachings are recorded in this book. The very words of God are recorded here. In the Gospels, we have the words of God recorded by his disciples under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And here they are, above all, in the four Gospels. So through them, you can come to know Jesus Christ, how he thought and how he acted, what he loved and what he hated. And through your daily contact with him in the Gospels, you'll become wise as he is wise. So let's begin to read and to study the Word of God. Most of you are students with busy schedules, but you can spend 10 minutes a day. This is the fountain of wisdom. Because whether our bodies fail us or the sun darkens first, the time that we have to invest in our souls is short. So let's drink from the, the fountain of wisdom. Let's take as our rabbi and our humble teacher, the one who will one day come in the clouds with great power and glory. Let's learn wisdom from him so that at the resurrection of the dead, as Daniel says, we might be counted among the wise who shine brighter than the firmament.